Hello, and welcome to When It Goes Wrong, the podcast exploring disasters, accidents, and times when everything falls apart. I'm Jasmine, your host, and on this episode, we'll be covering the story of Yossi Ginsberg, who went with a group into the depths of the Amazon in 1981. Four of them would go into the jungle, but after several harrowing weeks, not all of them would make it out. So yeah, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, I'm trying to record somewhere else, somewhere new in the house, following on from last week's, um, and I'm kind of towards the road, so I'm hoping the cars won't be too annoying, but I just tested it, couldn't hear any, so feeling feeling positive. But yes, before we jump into this one, just a reminder to follow me on Instagram at when it goes wrong pod. Thank you for those that have followed me recently. I'm so close to a thousand after I asked for it a few weeks ago. So please, please do follow me there. Uh, that'd be much appreciated. Um, and please do give me a rating or a review or whatever, whatever you like uh, on, on whatever app you're listening to now. So yes, today we're going to go to the jungle. We haven't covered the jungle for like much really in in the pod so far. I think the only one that we covered it a little bit in was way back on Lausanne Froome and Chris Creamers, like which I think was maybe episode three. And we kind of, yeah, covered them getting lost in the jungle and obviously never being found. Uh, but uh, yeah, I thought it was about time we went back because jungles are also scary and nice to, you know, mix it up from from transport-based episodes. <laughs> uh, so yes, all of the content that I'm going to cover comes from the book Jungle by Yossi Ginsberg. Um, but I'll cover that book at the end in the recommendations. But yeah, if I do any quotes or anything like that, then they, they've come from there. So yes, let's get into it. So in late 1981, after doing military service in Israel, Yossi Ginsberg headed out to South America for an adventure. Uh, he started out by hitchhiking from Venezuela, Venezuela to Colombia, uh, and then he changed routes and headed to Bolivia. And actually, when I was when I was writing this, I was like, oh, I wonder if anyone listens to the pod from Bolivia. And the answer is no. 19 people in Bolivia have downloaded the pod. So if you are from Bolivia and listening, hello. Um, <laughs> but very unlikely. But yes, I guess it's important to note at this point that this was 1981. So when he is off, you know, hitchhiking and traveling around South America, this is before phones and the internet and all of that kind of stuff. I think, yeah, when you when you go and travel at this time, it's basically like saying like, goodbye, family, I'll try and write to you, but I probably won't speak or do it, you know, hear from me for, for an extended period of time. So it's a whole, whole different world I think compared to traveling now obviously where you can kind of be be connected the whole time but yeah so he made it to Bolivia and in Bolivia he started making some friends with some fellow travelers uh, and he made good friends with a guy called Marcus Stam uh, and he was a teacher from Switzerland who was also off traveling around South America and him and Marcus did a bit of traveling and they kind of made their way down in Bolivia for a little while before they got to, to La Paz. And in La Paz, they met another man called Carl Ruprechter. And Carl basically said that he lived in Bolivia and he was, and he was there because it was his job to go out deep into the jungles and to find rare metals. And so it was his job to go out and, and like pan for gold or other kind of rare materials deep in the jungles. And Carl basically said to 
Marcus and Yossi that he would normally go out for for weeks at a time, that he really knew the jungles around them uh, and that he would go out with with some kind of locals from the area who could who could support him. And he basically said to Yossi when he first met him, he said that Carl, he was about to go on this like three month long trip deep into the jungle. Uh, And Carl said, you know what, like, I'm really happy to bring you along, Yossi, and and one or two of your friends if you're if you're interested in getting off the beaten track and and really getting deep into into jungle territory. Uh, And Yossi found this really exciting because, you know, this is very much not only I mean, for me, just traveling at this point sounds scary, um, but with with no connectivity i mean but they were like ready for the next level you know they really wanted adventure like that was what they were there for so yossi was quite keen for this he was like yeah i want to go deep in the, in the jungle and you know experience these things that uh, other westerners haven't really haven't really done so yeah, so Yossi ran off to tell Marcus. And when he met Marcus, Marcus was with uh his best friend, uh, a guy called Kevin Gale. And Kevin was well known as a as a traveler through South America. Uh, he was an American photographer and he had taken quite a lot of uh, like famous shots and and so people knew knew of him. Um and just just for context at this point they're all pretty young. Uh they're all kind of like late 20s early 30s. And so yeah, so Yossi went to Marcus and Kevin and said like we've got to go in the jungle, what do you think? Uh and it didn't really take long to convince them. They were pretty they were pretty keen. Uh so not only did they want to go into the jungle, but Kevin especially was really keen to do some like river rafting, so to to sail down one of the rivers in, in the Amazon uh, and travel that way as well. Marcus was keen. He was probably a bit more reticent than the other two. He he had a bit of a bit of a worry about him and so he was yeah a little bit concerned but then yeah agreed to to go with them At the end of the day they'd all come to south america in search of adventure and this was adventure smacking them in the face so they were really excited for this trip. They got prepping. They bought a lot of equipment that Carl asked them to. Uh, they tried to buy a map, but there weren't many detailed maps of that area as you can expect so they did find a map but they bought one that was quite zoomed out so it was like one to 500 which yeah well isn't isn't ideal if you actually need to use it for any form of navigation you can kind of just see like like highlights i guess but they weren't worried about it because they knew that carl knew the jungle really well they were going with a guide it was all going to be okay they were they were very excited by this point, but suddenly, about a couple of days before they were due to go on the trip, uh, when they met Carl, Carl basically was like, no, actually, I can't do this trip anymore. Um, he said he had had an urgent letter from his uncle, um, and his uncle had basically said, look, you need to come to my ranch and help me in six weeks. Um, and Carl was like, I have to do this. Like, this is, this is more important. I'm going to cancel the trip. And so Yossi and Co were obviously very upset after this because they were ready. They'd really ramped themselves up for it. So Yossi decided to try and convince him to say to Carl, hey, look, I know it's not going to be a three-month work trip, but how about you, how about we go and do, like, go to the jungle for a month uh, just, just for fun instead? And so at first Carl wasn't keen, but then uh, eventually Carl kind of said, hey, look, I'll do that if you pay me as your guide, basically. And so clearly that wasn't what Yossi and Co were were 
expecting or wanting was to pay him to take them out there. And maybe this is what Carl wanted all the way along was to kind of string them along and then be like, yeah, pay me to do it. Um, but yes, that's where it went to. So yeah, eventually Carl said, look, yeah, I'll take you for a month if you pay me. Um, and Yossi and and the guys weren't weren't keen, but by this point were so kind of dedicated to it. They were like, yeah, that's fine. So they continued buying kit, continued preparing, and they bought like a big machete so that they could cut down cut down the jungle as they went. They also bought uh, a shotgun to make sure that they could catch game whilst they were out in the jungle. And Carl kind of said to them, look, we don't need to take like loads of food with us. We don't need to carry lots of food because we're going into the Amazon. It's going to have loads of food like game and animals that we can shoot and eat once we're out there. They'll take, you know, fishing uh, equipment, all that kind of stuff. So they'd they'd eat as they walked. And so they did take some kind of, you know, things like rice and beans and that type of thing, but they didn't take a huge amount of them. Uh, they took medical supplies. So they took things like... Uh, you know, things for mosquitoes, things for uh, kind of basic medics. They took as part of that a load of like amphetamines to like speed them up, uh, which was an interesting choice. Um, and so, yeah, they were they were ready to go. And so Carl planned them out a route. And basically, they he planned out that they would walk, they'd do this really long hike to find a remote village uh, before they would raft along the river and return. And Carl, at this point, kind of, you know, really pushed home to them, like, look, the key thing in the jungle is just to always stay by the river and always follow the rivers down because the rivers eventually will always take you back to to where you need to be and the rivers are where people tend to tend to congregate if they if they are around. So yeah, so they were they were kind of ready to go at this point. Uh and so they left some of their belongings in La Paz so they didn't have to carry them all with them and they told their friends and some of their embassies basically if they weren't back by mid-December, so I think like 5 weeks, uh then someone should get out there and look for them. Uh so they yeah, they did some appropriate uh informing, which is good. Before they yeah, then headed out. So they first they flew to a small uh, town called Apollo and there they did a hike to a small village which was kind of just just in the in the borders of the Amazon called Azrimas Azriamas Azriamas and there when they're in Azriamas Carl knew some people and he introduced the group uh, and the group got well got on well with the villagers. Kevin and Marcus helped some of the villagers with like some medical ailments uh, and then they decided to to get prepping and off they went. However, where at that point when they were in in um, that little village, Carl like saw a dog, like a German shepherd, and the dog looked a bit miserable. So he decided to buy the dog and then take the dog with them as like a trekking, a trekking friend. Uh, so they took the dog uh, and they named the dog Flacker. So yeah, so by this point, they were really, really ready to get out on their adventure. Uh, so they headed out deep into the jungle on this route to this remote village. Uh, and they just had, like I said, like rice beans and their tents. And it was pretty slow going. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the most enjoyable of treks. They obviously have to cut cut their way through quite a lot. They 
struggled with Flacker because Flacker basically was like, I don't want to be hiking through a jungle. And so Flacker would just basically like refuse to walk often and Carl would just end up like dragging her along with them, which is just so sad. Um, And often, yeah, she'd just sit down and not move. But yeah, but they were enjoying enjoying the hike, especially at the beginning. It was new, it was exciting. You know, they were going into the depths of the jungle. Not many tourists had had been there and and done that type of that type of adventure. But it did eventually, as you can expect, start to wear down on them. So they didn't, like I said, they didn't bring much food with them, which initially maybe was okay. But then they didn't really seem to be capable or they didn't, there wasn't loads of game like Carl kind of promised them. So he was, you know, they were expecting like, oh, we'd be catching something every day. But they weren't. They were not catching anything. So they were all not eating enough compared to, you know, the fact that they were hiking every day and having like quite large energy expenditure. They weren't then corresponding by eating enough. And so, yeah, so they were hungry. They were they were not really pleased with that kind of food situation. They also had other fun other fun jungle things that they uh, struggled with. So obviously there was loads of insects. Uh, there was loads of mosquitoes that were constantly wanting to bite them and eat them. Uh, there was a lot of fire ants, which if you brushed up against the wrong thing, the fire ants would would get on your skin and then that would um, they'd bite you and that would really sting uh yeah they were like constantly whacked by all the leaves and the plants um and yeah and then I guess the kind of big thing is that there was a fear of some of the animals that are in there uh and the biggest fear was that of the jaguar um because you obviously don't want to come across a jaguar in the jungle uh because they could eat you so they were yeah trying to make sure they they went along with that so yeah, they kind of carried on, kept hiking for a bit longer, uh, but yeah, they weren't, by this point, a few days in, they weren't in a happy situation. Uh, off Their shoes were all starting to fall apart as well because they were just kind of like standard trainers, uh, which just couldn't, you know, put up with the the pain of, of everything that they've been hiking through. It had also been quite wet, so they, were, they had quite wet trainers and that really kind of helped them to fall apart. So yeah, they kept walking. Eventually, Carl got just sick of Flacker not walking. Uh, and so Carl just abandoned her in the jungle, which is so harsh. Um, but we'll we'll come back to her. But oh, at that point in the book, I was very upset. Uh, so yeah, they just left her in the jungle and carried on. And the thing is, at this point, they're starting to get to like quite a, a stressful situation, you know, in terms of the group and how how it was going. And because of this, it's, there started to be tension in the group, so between between the guys. Um, and this tended to narrow down to, to Marcus. So like I said, Marcus was a bit reticent at the beginning and it was clear that he was the one that was quite nervous and quite anxious through the trip. So as, it, as they were going round, you know, he was quite concerned. He often said he wanted to turn around yeah, so there was there was a bit of a drive between them. And so it kind of ended up a little bit like Carl and, sorry, Kevin and, and Yossi kind of became quite good friends and they were like ready and keen and really wanted to push on. Whereas, yeah, you had Marcus who was quite uh, anxious and, and worried about it. 
So, yeah, but they carried on despite all of that. But yeah, they were low on food, but eventually Carl did manage to kill some monkeys. Uh, and that wasn't the most pleasant eating experience, as I'm sure we can all imagine. And yeah, um, at that point, Marcus just absolutely refused to eat any of the monkeys as well. That was not not for him. But yeah, then what started happening is that Marcus started getting issues with his feet. And so, like I said, they've been struggling with, with damp and with uh, their shoes falling apart. But Marcus, especially at this point, was starting to get like a really painful red rash on his feet. Uh, and, and it was really incredibly painful. Uh, and so he kept trying to kind of keep his feet dry in order to, to stop this happening. But it wasn't, wasn't always effective. And yeah, he really struggled with his feet. Uh, and this, again, kind of drove more divisions between the group because uh, Kevin and Yossi were a bit like, suck it up, it's fine. Uh, but Marcus was obviously really struggling. But, and yeah, and then they didn't really know it and he doesn't really say in the book, but when I was reading online, like they basically all had tr- like had trench foot. So, you know, where your feet get so wet that all your skin comes off, which is disgusting. But yeah, so he was in, he was in a lot of pain at this point. So yeah, eventually they've been walking for quite some time. They were hungry. They, they weren't catching loads of food. Their shoes had fallen apart. Uh, Marcus had really sore feet and so they were like you know what this isn't worth it anymore we need to decide what to do we can either carry on and try and get to this remote village uh, or turn around and so and go back to Azriamas so Yossi wanted to continue Marcus wanted to go back Carl obviously didn't care he was the guy he'd do what they wanted Uh, but yeah eventually Kevin decided no we need to go back we need to go back sort our shoes out sort the ailments out and to get get more food to take with us moving forward at this point they turned around uh, and made the trek back to the village Uh, and surprisingly Flacca the dog had also managed to make her way back to the village so I thought that was nice that she uh, yeah managed to make it home so yeah, so that was kind of phase phase one of the trip. And they, so they got back to Azriamas and they were like, right, we've got to change tact now. What, where, how are we going to do the rest of this trip? And obviously, like I said, they wanted to do some river rafting. So they were like, okay, cool. Maybe this is a great opportunity to build a raft and to raft down the river instead. Uh, and the idea was that they'd raft down to a small kind of gold camp. So like a camp that had been formed as part of a gold rush called Kuriplaya. Uh, and then they would carry on even further to Ruinback, uh, which was a much bigger town where they could fly out from to La Paz. But the river between Azriamas and Ruinback was quite treacherous, I think it's fair to say. Uh, and they basically, Carl said, cool, but the plan has got to be that you will will go down the river as far as we can until we hit a point called the San Pedro Canyon. And the San Pedro Canyon would have like very sheer cliff sides and was very dangerous where there was like lots of rocks and rapids and stuff. So at that point, what they'd have to do is they'd have to get off the raft, hike alongside the river uh, and then and then join either, either build a new raft or, or kind of push their raft down. So that was the plan. They knew what they were doing. They paid some of the locals in the village who would make them a raft out of balsa trees uh, and they extended it so all four of them could fit on it and they were ready to go. And yeah, at this point, Marcus still wasn't like loving it, but he basically was like, no, I wasn't going to carry on. But then he decided, no, he wanted to. And he basically said, we started together, we should finish it together. 
So they headed off on this raft and safe to say it was not successful. (laughs) Carl couldn't swim. uh, So obviously that wasn't a great time. So he kind of like created this like fake life preserver uh, just in case. But they were basically just awful at controlling it. They had like sticks to obviously like push them along. They had some oars. They had uh, sticks to make sure that they didn't hit the sides. But they were just really bad at managing it and controlling it. And there was just a lot of shouting, a lot of shouting between people in terms of like how, like which way to steer and how they should go and everything like that. And so, yeah, it, the first day was awful. And Carl, kind of at the end of it, when they when they stopped, was like yelled at everyone and was like, "This is awful. We can't carry on like in this way. Like we're just gonna die. Uh, like we've got to improve it." So they did some practicing, got out, you know, did just did a load of a load of work to try and get better uh, and try and try and improve. But yeah, so they carried on, uh, and they got closer to the San Pedro Canyon eventually, where they would they knew they had to stop. But before they made it there, eventually they kind of pulled over, and Carl at this point was like, "Nah, like I'm done. I don't I don't want to go any further on this raft with you guys. I don't trust you." And it was kind of felt in the other way as well like the other guys were like oh Carl doesn't know how to run this raft like this is going awfully so yeah basically everyone was not really happy at that point but Carl was like no I'm not going any further and he was gonna stop there and walk back to Azriamas uh, rather than kind of continuing on but Kevin at this point and Yossi weren't pleased with that uh, they wanted to continue on you know they'd already done so much they wanted to carry on go further And so they decided at this point that they would split in two. So Carl and Marcus would turn around and walk back to the village uh, because Marcus, again, had had quite sore feet. And Kevin and Yossi would take the raft, continue on down, uh, and then, yes, stop at San Pedro, walk around, then carry on. And so they said to to Carl, like, how do they know where where they should go, what they should do? And he said, don't worry, you'll see the island. When you see the island, you have to pull off. Uh, then you can cut a trail and he kind of vaguely marked it on the map for them so they knew that where they would be going. So yeah, they split all the belongings between the two of them. They gave Kevin and Yossi the machete so that they could cut um, the path once they had to, to hike around the canyon. And But yes, but Carl and co kept the shotgun. Uh, and so, yeah, they carried on. Yossi basically made what he called an emergency bag, which will become important, where he basically put like all of his essentials in. So he put like the medical kits, food, mattress, uh, mosquito repellent, all of that kind of stuff within one bag for protection. They separated, but the two groups uh, split up and they set off on their way. And Yossi and Kevin, it kind of seemed to go well so far, but then suddenly the rapids in the river just got way worse. And they suddenly realized that they had basically been pulled into these like really treacherous rapids and this like big waterfall. Uh, and they didn't, they, they were like panicked and they were like, right, we've got to stop. We've got to stop. Like we can't carry on doing, going down here because we're, we're not going to make it. So they kind of like tried to turn the raft to stop it and they they ended up kind of getting the, the raft wedged on some rocks. And so at this point, Kevin was like, don't worry, I'm going to swim to the shore because Kevin was like a big, strong guy. He was like, I'm going to swim to the shore. I'm going to throw a vine across to for you to then, uh, for Yossi to then grab and then for him to pull pull across. So Kevin jumped off uh, and did, did make it to the side. But as soon as he made to the side, 
the the rocks that Yossi and the raft were wedged against started to come undone and so the the raft was was now free and was about to go over the edge and so Yossi Kevin yelled at Yossi to like throw him his shoes so Yossi threw him his shoes and then threw him the machete so that Kevin had yeah his shoes and his machete uh, to be able to cut to where he needed to get to but at this point the raft was out of control with Yossi on it and it basically uh, went straight over the waterfall and Yossi clinging to this this raft uh, took him through all the way through all of the rapids uh, that were through this San Pedro Canyon. And this was like a horrific journey. Like he clung basically through to it as the raft like disintegrated. It just like fell apart. He was flung up and down, bashed against rocks, you know, thought he was going to drown multiple times. Uh, but somehow he managed to survive it. And not only did he manage to survive it, he managed to survive it with his emergency bag in his sights as well. And so, yeah, it was only once he had basically just closed his eyes and prayed that he'd make it all the way through, uh, through to the end that he eventually did. Uh, and he pulled himself over to a bank, managed to grab the emergency bag behind him uh, and pull himself out. But... Now was the hard part, right? Not only has he just gone and 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 done this horrendous this horrendous journey, but he's now in the middle of the jungle by himself with just a very rough crap map and no one with him. Uh, so yeah, it was really not not a good time. So Yossi was now separated, uh, and Kevin also was obviously alone uh, where he had left him. And arguably, Kevin was in a worse position because he didn't have a bag at all. He just had his shoes and a machete. So yeah, so basically at this point, Yossi was like, right, well, I need to stick to the plan. I need to carry on down to Kuruplaya, which was where the gold camp where they were aiming to get to, because he thought, well, there wouldn't be people there now, but there would be shelter and people would come there eventually. Uh, and potentially, as, as we said before, you know, the river is the the most important bit of, of where you need to stay near. So if he could just stay by the river, uh, get to Kuruplaya, then hopefully someone will be able to spot him. Really awful, awful scene. And he basically had now a series of just horrific days with like one pain after the next it's constantly wet it was constantly being eaten by insects uh and so but thankfully maybe he had the amphetamines which were in his bag so he took some of those which kind of kept him going and perked him up but yeah, at this point, he also started getting the red rash on his feet. Um, and basically, he was getting trench foot uh, alongside, uh, similar to what Marcus had had. And it was absolute agony. And Yossi at this point was a bit like, well, wow, I really should have been more sympathetic when Marcus had had this going on because this is so painful. So he was really struggling to walk and really struggling to continue on. But he had no choice. He had to carry on. He did have a bit of food with him, thankfully, uh, and he did have a lighter so he could do the occasional fire, try and dry his feet off. Um, and thankfully, he had water. So he had the water from the, the river and the rain, the constant rain. Uh, yes, which was a success compared to some of the some of the tragic well, when we were talking about, what's his name? The guy who got stuck at sea for 438 days uh, where you're just surrounded by water but have nothing. Thankfully, he did have water, um, but yeah, had no food. 
so yeah so he but he carried on kept his kept trying to get to to Kuruplaya, kept trying to to walk as much as he could uh but he knew that the rainy season had now started he knew the dates had changed and it was the rainy season and the rain just was never ending by this point so he was lost it was so wet all the time and he yeah he started like hallucinating quite a lot throughout this getting like weird dreams but it was just generally awful um a couple of horrible experiences that happened to him whilst he was there one of them he woke up in the middle of the night to realize that he had been hit by a flash flood and like literally everything around him was being just drowned out by water and he basically just had to grab what he could and try and run as fast as he could to some higher ground to get away from it Another awful one, He re- one night he heard some rustling when he was sleeping and could hear something coming. And so he got his torch out and turned it on and saw a jaguar like right there next to him. Uh, and so he did what instinct told him to do. And he basically like panicked uh, and started screaming, yelling at the jaguar, you know, telling it to go away. Uh, and then did a very smart move of using the mosquito repellent and his lighter to basically create a bit of like a, a blaze of fire towards this jaguar who eventually, thankfully, ran away and left him be. some awful awful experiences as part of that he was some days walked for hours and then realized after walking for hours that he had just done a big loop because he hadn't like paid attention to where he's going and he just like walked all the way around and back on himself uh and he often found leeches all over him as well generally not an enjoyable time and kind of pain after pain in terms of how it was going but eventually, somehow, he did actually make it to Kuruplaya. Um, And so he was really pleased when he made it there. And it was deserted, like I said, but it did have shelters already made. Um, so he could uh, actually finally be sheltered for the first time. He could make a fire. He could finally rest a bit, you know, dry his feet off uh, and try, and, try and, and recover a bit. So that was good. That was, that was a bit of a win. But after after staying there for a couple of days, he decided, no, he couldn't wait here, wait there much longer. He had to carry on uh, and he had to try and make it to Rurrenbach because that would be where people would be and where he could where he could fly out of. So he carried on walking and one day he fell into a bog and it was like it was like quicksand and he basically was in there for hours and he just couldn't pull himself out without sinking any further. But eventually, somehow, he managed to use some mines to wedge himself out. But he really thought that 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 would be the end. Uh, And so, yeah, so he kind of just kept walking. And then it had been so wet and awful by this point that eventually, with all of, like, the flooding and, like, because the flooding kind of changed the landscape of what could be walked on and what couldn't, he eventually turned turned a corner and saw some like huts and one of the huts like and there was loads of broken huts and one kind of hut left. And what he suddenly realized was actually he'd been walking for ages, but he'd done a loop again and managed to make his way back to Kuruplaya. But it had now been destroyed because of all this raining and flash flooding that had been happening, which is why he didn't recognize it. 
But yeah, so he'd just basically done like a big loop and was just stuck by Corriblaya. But by this point, to be honest, he was just so ill. Like he basically had no skin left on his feet, which is disgusting. He just couldn't walk. He hadn't really been eating. He was starving. Uh, and so he just couldn't carry on by this point. He was just stuck in Corriblaya and was like, I can't. I can't do this anymore. So he just basically like laid in one of the huts and just tried to to lie there to stay alive until someone would come and rescue him. And so then the next night, uh, he heard a bit of a distant drone, like a bit of a bit of a motor. Um, and throughout this time, he had seen some planes that had gone over him. But the problem was is that they were flying so high. Uh, that there was no way that they would ever be able to see him like within underneath all the blankets of the trees and stuff. But this time he kind of heard this drone and so he looked out of the hut and somehow spotted some people. And not only was it people, but it was Kevin. It was Kevin who had found him at Karablaya who suddenly spotted him on this beach, turned their boat around and were like, oh my gosh, we found you. So Kevin was like, no, don't move, Yossi, stay there. We're going to come rescue you. Uh, and so, yeah, eventually Kevin and his companions uh, made it to where, where Yossi had been, where Echo replied, where he collapsed, um, and, yeah, managed to rescue him, which I think is so astounding. And so, yeah, they, you know, had a great a great meeting and wept and everything like that as they as they came together, which I think was, yeah, just you can't imagine that can you i just think i would have lost lost so much like hope by that point i think because he'd been he'd been in the jungle by this point like something like three weeks he'd been there walking around doing all of this like one horrific experience after after another and finally after all of that time kevin turns around and rescues him and finds him which i just think is amazing and i think it's like one of those one of the nice ones where it like actually all works out compared to um Oh, well, I mean, it wasn't the jungle when we did Into the Wild a while ago, um, where it was like this just died in Into the Wild just a few days before people would have found him. And this one, it actually worked. They found him on time. So, yeah, so that was really good. So Kevin and his companions set up camp. They gave Yossi food. They started trying to, like, treat him and treat his feet with the cream and bandages, uh, everything like that. And eventually they got all back in the canoe uh, and then headed back downriver uh, to Rurum back. And thankfully, Yossi there was able to get medical treatment. Uh, but yeah, it had been three weeks since he had been missing. Let's chat a bit about then what happened from Kevin's perspective, because obviously Kevin, hero in this scenario, had come and found him. So yeah, so after Kevin had lost Yossi from the from the river, Kevin basically kept walking, but Kevin then started having the same problems with his feet. So he was also getting trench foot because of the water. Uh, and so Kevin's feet were just in absolute agony. He had no food, no fire, nothing. Uh, and so basically Kevin just sat down and was like, look, I've got to come up with a new plan. I'm not going to be able to walk out of here. What am I going to do? And so he eventually decided the best thing, his best chance was just to try and get as far down the river as he could. So he eventually found like a really big log and basically just like clung to it, like clung to the log and straddled it, jumped in the river and just drifted. And so it was like, right, went through all these like horrible rapids and stuff, but but somehow managed to make it through. And he eventually kind of made it to a to quite a calm area. 
And then luck would happen once again because eventually uh, some fishermen uh, happened to happened to spot him. So he was just like clung to this to this tree stump, tree log, uh, and some fishermen found him and basically were like, "What are you doing? You all right?" And they were like, and he was like, "No, help me." Uh, and so he uh, they basically said, "Cool, well, carry on down and and go on the bank, and we'll come and pick you up." Uh, and eventually they did. They came and got him. And it was so lucky that that it had been, again, like such perfect timing because they basically said that they only came up that far up the river twice a year to fish. So the fact that he had hit it at that exact point when they were there was such, yeah, such good luck, luck and such good timing. Kevin got rescued uh, and they took him to the local village. Uh, and so they went to the local village where the fishermen were from uh, and eventually they said that uh, they made him a raft and then he uh, took the raft down to Rurum back uh, and eventually made it there. But Kevin was at this point was like, oh, I've got to go and find my friend. I've left my friend. He's alive. We've got to go and rescue him. And everyone basically said to him, like, no, like, there's no point going and looking for Yossi. He's clearly will have died by now. There's just no point. You should you just need to recover and go home. But Kevin was like, no, I, I refuse. I refuse to do that. I've got to go and find my friend. And so he flew back to La Paz, where he was before, and he went to the embassies. He told Jossie's family that he'd gone missing, and he really tried to, like, rouse people together to get the search party going. And they kind of, like, half helped. Like, some places were like, yeah, we'll look for a bit. Some were like, no, we're not going to do anything. But eventually someone agreed to take Kevin out in a plane. So they did fly over. But when Kevin was flying over it, he was like, this is absolutely impossible. I can't see anything. And the plane couldn't go low enough to actually see anyone through the trees. And so, yeah, so he was really disappointed by that. He looked, uh, he was looking for others, um, but they, he was looking for others to help with the, with the with the search, but they just weren't doing it and they refused. And so eventually, luck would have it that Kevin met this guy called Tico, and Tico was the king of the river. Tico basically said, hey, I'm going up river anyway to, to Curaplaya and, and potentially all the way to the, to the beginning of the San Pedro Canyon, the end of it, sorry. Uh, so he said, yeah, look, come with me and, and we can try and look for your friend uh, as, you, as you go. And so they set off and had spent, you know, like days looking for him. Uh, and then they were basically right, right at the end of where they were about to turn around and go back. Uh, and it was only then when they were about to do that and turn uh, that they actually spotted Yossi. So again, such perfect timing. Yeah, such a success. But what happened to the other two? Well, when Kevin made it back to La Paz, not only did he say, hey, Yossi's missing, but the embassy said that Marcus and Carl hadn't turned up either. So Marcus and Carl had meant to only take two days in order to walk out of the jungle, but it had been at least two weeks since they'd turned around and gone. And so that was obviously very upsetting for, for everyone involved that those two hadn't made it back. And so Kevin went to the Austrian embassy for Carl to say, hey, he's been lost. And the embassy basically said, that's a good one. Help you look for Carl. We'd much rather help him get lost. Uh, and so at this point, the Austrian embassy basically told Kevin that Carl was an escaped fugitive and he was wanted by Interpol. So that shows that he had definitely been a bit of a scammer and clearly had 
uh, yeah, been taking them for a ride from the beginning and clearly was not not a good person for them to be hanging out with. Um, and Kevin heard these stories of Carl that Carl apparently had taken a German into the jungle and just abandoned the German when he got weak. Uh, but thankfully, the German had managed to make it out by getting to a to a small ranch. And unfortunately, we don't actually know what because not Mark, Marcus, and Carl were never heard from again. So we actually have no idea what happened. Whether Carl did something, whether they just both perished, whether Carl abandoned Marcus and then died himself. Like we just have absolutely no idea what happened. But they did try and find him. So after rescuing Yossi, Kevin went out on a second mission to to see if he could find Carl and Marcus. Uh, and he went to a place called Ipurama, which was the place that they were aiming to walk to. Uh, but yeah, found nothing. Didn't find any sign of anyone uh, walking in the area. Didn't find any signs of anyone being there. Showed photos around. Yeah, and wasn't successful. So yeah, really tragic for those two. Uh, and really, yeah, really awful that they didn't make it out. Uh, whilst also being amazing that Yossi and Kevin both miraculously got saved uh, and made it made it out themselves so yeah so following this this experience uh, eventually Yossi went and met Marcus's family uh, to tell them what happened and you know Yossi had a lot of guilt and I assume Kevin a lot of guilt around how they treated Marcus because obviously they hadn't really been getting on a lot in the last days days they had been together and was upset with like how how it had ended uh, but Marcus's father told told them to not feel guilty and that he forgave them and Marcus's mother basically was like really insistent that they hadn't died and Marcus was still alive and that they had gone to Peru instead of instead of going out. They had fled to Peru because Carl was a fugitive. Uh, and one year, a couple of years later, Marcus's mother rang Yossi and said that a clairvoyant had told them that he was at this particular point in, the, in a jungle in Peru. Uh, and Yossi, the the kind person he is, actually t- t- went, took the trip to to where that clairvoyant had said and asked if he was around, but um, no one ever uh, recognised his picture. And yeah, he was never seen again. So I think it's quite fair to say that he probably did uh, die in the jungle at some point uh, after they had split. A, a mixed bag of a story, but a fascinating one uh, in terms of what we learnt. We already know. Let someone know before you when you where you're going and where you, where you're going and when you're going. In this case, it didn't help too much because some of the people were like, "We're not looking at. We're not going to go and find you anyway." I think taking a good map is very important. Always have a map, and I think especially in these days, uh, have a map one that you can read, and two, don't just rely on your phone. Have an actual map. What I learned from this is that I really should learn some basic survival skills <laughs> because I do not think I could survive three weeks in the jungle. I think I would just starve or fall over or just do something bad. So, yeah, some survival skills. Um, and, yeah, just don't kind of go in the jungle with a con man, I think is a general lesson that we can all learn uh, following this. So, yeah, keep that one in mind. Cool. So, references, like I said. So, like I said, the book um, is called Jungle by Yossi Ginsberg. It, I enjoyed the book, actually. He's quite a nice writer. Um, it tells the story very well, goes into a lot more detail. You get a lot more of the kind of harrowing feeling of, of everything happening blow by blow. So, yeah, I do, I do recommend the book if you like adventure stories. This was also made into a movie. 
um, a couple of years ago, also of the name Jungle, starring Daniel Radcliffe as Yossi Ginsberg. Um, I watched it on Amazon Prime. I thought, to be honest, I thought the movie was okay. I'm not the biggest Daniel Radcliffe fan, and so that put me off it a bit. But if you like Daniel Radcliffe, then you'll probably love it. Uh, but yes, it is obviously a lot of him alone in the jungle, which isn't great. But I did. I generally enjoyed watching it. And when they did, and I thought they did the reunion when he got he got rescued very well. I thought that was very, very heartwarming when I watched it. Uh, so yes, give that a go. Uh, and then the one other thing that someone on Instagram recommended me, but I didn't get a chance to watch because it would have costed me money on Amazon Prime and I didn't want to pay for it uh, but apparently there's a very good I shouldn't be alive episode uh, on Yossi Ginsburg so if you have access to that for free uh, then give that one a go as well cool well thank you so much for listening uh, I hope you enjoyed this one like I said please do follow me on Instagram at when it goes wrong pod uh, you can also send me an email to when it goes wrong pod at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you on either of those uh, and yeah be sure to be in touch <laughs>